Hello and welcome to According to John, where today's topic or question is uh, is incredibly debatable. But since we don't ignore questions, <laughs> go for it, Pastor John. <laughs> Today's not just a, a, a biblical question, a very legitimate. It's legit. Uh, biblical question. But uh, as listeners, you're going to learn a lot about uh, hermeneutics, big mm-hmm. word, uh, the laws of biblical interpretation, because the, God wrote things in mm-hmm. Scripture that theologians have debated for a while. What does he really mean by this? Right. And so today's going to be one of those topics. Yeah. And, and literally I think hermeneutics is the only way that we can approach this. And, and I will tell you, well, Hey, listen, I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to do this podcast because I've been asked this question a multitude of times and, uh, and, and the truth is I asked this question and you wrestled with it for tw- 20 years ago, uh, 20 plus years ago, 20, yeah, 20 plus years ago I did, I wrestled with it and in Bible college, uh, I, I made it a point to search it out and we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about my process and maybe your process and other pastors processes. And it's just like, it's, we're going to learn how to research stuff. Well, I think that word process is probably just as big in this podcast as, as the topic. Mm-hmm. The topic is, do believers immediately go to heaven when they die? And my response, just right off the top of my head is, yeah, to be absent from the body is to be present with the present Lord. With the Lord, And then I just drop it, go on and have an ice cream cone. But Pastor John doesn't drop stuff. <laughs> He's got to explore. What does that word mean? My bre- I'm much simpler. <laughs> so I'm a huge word guy. I mean, I am. That's I'm a, a good thing. I'm a huge word guy, and that forces me to go into the Greek and to go into the Hebrew, and it forces me to keep asking questions, whether I ask them to myself and then research deeper or before I would ask other pastors before I learn how to study the Greek and the Hebrew. And and then I, I would take their answers and, and I still do like there's, I still reach out. And I think and, we all should. Yeah. Yeah. I still reach out to other pastors and, and those that I trust, uh, uh, that study out the word of God and ask questions and like, Hey, where do you stand on this and why? And, and then they'll give me their feedback and, and I'll give them my feedback. And then we, we toss it around and, and, and sometimes we land where we will land today. Uh, you're going to have to make up your own mind on where you stand. That being said, though, we're going to use a process called hermeneutics and I'm laws of biblical interpretation, the the laws of biblical interpretation, which is massive here. And I'm not trying to divide anyone. I'm not trying to uh, get anyone riled up, but it's a legitimate question. And how do we handle a question that we don't have a direct answer to? Well, after we pray, 
I'd like to give some of the biblical laws of interpretation, uh, hermeneutics, just real quick, yep. and then we'll we'll exercise those. We'll walk through some of these passages of scripture that have confused people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. real quick, just to, to lay the scriptural questions. Jesus is dying upon the cross. Speaks to the the thief who repented and trusted Christ and said, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." Paradise. Where exactly is that? And then uh, the the Lazarus died and was and was carried into Abraham's Luke chapter sixteen, Abraham's and, bosom. Yeah, where exactly is that? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. We go to be with Jesus, and and then we have that scripture where uh, thou wilt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption, neither leave his soul in hell. We say Jesus went to hell, but hell is the word, Greek word Hades, and it's an all encompassing. There was a a good side of Hades for the believers, and then it was a bad side. Of yeah, because Hades could have meant grave. Yeah, yeah. So these are the words that uh, the yeah. pastor is going to take us through mm-hmm. biblically, and we're going to exercise these laws of uh, biblical hermeneutics, which should be how we approach every right. biblical right. topic. Yeah, and 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 this listen as we go through this, I'm going to give my answer to this question. That being said, right up front, that does not mean that you agree with me. It does not mean other pastors agree with me. And it does not mean that Pastor Duke agrees with me. And it doesn't even mean that I am 100% correct. What it means is this is the process that I went through using hermeneutics and where I landed. And then I still have to say, but guys, that's where I landed, and you have to study this out because it is. This is one topic that is up for debate. Oh, it's been debated a long time. Yeah. Also, I would put this into into a perspective of the overall Christian life. The Bible says, when we we've trusted Christ as Savior, we have eternal life. That, when right. He comes, all of us who believe will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We right. We'll give account of the things done in mm-hmm. our body whether they be good or evil. I don't see at the judgment seat of Christ that uh, God's going to take uh, the Duke Meister aside or Pastor John aside and and whoop us on some little minor point right. of theology right. or reward us openly. Aha, you figured something out. <laughs> no, you know, I think our good doctrine should lead to good works. Right. And right. Uh, Pastor John and I, we want everybody mm-hmm. to be on the good side. Yeah. <laughs> we well, want everybody to know Christ and, and to be at the judgment seat, have everlasting life. And right. That's why we do the podcast. You know that. Well, and, and here's the other thing. As we go through this, because uh, Duke and I talked about it, and 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 to be quite honest, uh, Duke's like, ah, uh, Johnny, you, you have to be safe. And I'm like, I know I have to be safe. Um, and, and we don't want, uh, nobody wants to do harm to their channel or to their podcast. And we don't I'm, want to be divisive. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you my process of walking through, which is hermeneutics and how I landed on, on where I landed. But then ultimately that we're going to understand that in the end, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be with the Lord. <laughs> 
If you got to be so minute, figure out every little uh, detail. Okay, yeah. I'll give that to you, Pastor. Yeah, this because what we're I'm doing here. I'm just going to go be with Jesus and have ice cream. Yeah, you you yeah, wrestle with all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, this, this is just discussion questions. Yeah. And I think they're legitimate discussion questions. But uh, okay. biblical laws of hermeneutics, we're going to walk through those real quick. That, that's what we're going to do. We're going to show you, and then we're going to use them as mm-hmm. the tool to walk yeah. through. Because this has been something that's been debated for sure, a long time. Sure, sure. Yeah, but, so if nothing else, you're going to gain insight on how to use biblical tools uh, called hermeneutics to walk through a process to come to uh, an understanding. Yep. Amen. That's what we're going to do. Brother, won't you pray for us? And then we're going to, we're going to get started. Father, thank you for giving us the word of God, a lamp to our feet, guide to our path. Lord, we want to rightly divide the word of God. We want to stand upon it. We want to stand upon it strong without apology, but we want to stand upon it with kindness and wisdom. And we pray that, uh, Lord, we know that you have given unto us eternal life and to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. And we know you're coming back and you're going to set up your king. We have everlasting life. And uh, it, it, it's kind of a, uh, maybe a minor point on the big picture, but the process is a major point that we all have to wrestle with on every issue and help us to be great students of your word and stand upon it and guide us, we pray, and bless our listeners in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And I think that's going to be the takeaway in this podcast is learning the process, not so much as where you landed. Okay, first law of biblical uh, hermeneutics, biblical interpretation is... Let me give it or you want to Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Number one, you take everything at face value. What did God say? Let every word have its meaning. Number two, you put it all into its context in the text and in the historical text. That is the biggest key to anything is context. Context, context context the overall biblical context mm-hmm. you know the paradise lost in genesis is the paradise regained in revelation mm-hmm. so we always have the overall biblical context but there also is the historical context you have to be careful with this because i've seen people take uh historical context to an extreme to where well it doesn't even mean anything like the Bible teaches, they kind of right. use their intelligence to kind of speak down to people and, and, and deceive them. Right. And take well, them off into never, never land. And that's the other thing is I, I, when I hear people say, well, this is what this verse means to, to me. Well, well, that right. means nothing if it's out of context. Yeah. And, and here's how we know the context of the passage, right? Who's the author? Who's the audience? What's the intention of the letter or the writing? Now, let's take, uh, for example, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Who's the author? Paul is. Who's the audience? The Corinthian, a church of Corinth. And what was Paul trying to teach them? And then that will keep you in the context of the passages, right? Let me give a kind of a, kind of a silly uh, illustration how you can twist Scripture. Jesus said, uh, that Judas went out and hanged himself. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, uh, go and do thou likewise. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> but Jesus did not say, go hang yourself in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> he did not say that. But you can take scripture out yeah. of its context right, right. And, and take people to crazy places. Right. And believe me, that's exactly what Satan's trying right. to do. And John's going to bring into this text, which is fantastic, and into this debate, 
what other cults mm-hmm. have done with this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, le- and have led millions of people astray. Yeah, because here's the thing. What they did was they state a position and... There have, it's obvious there's no hermeneutics used. Uh, there's no process used. It is just uh, an opinion or a statement with no scripture to back it up. Yeah, and that's where you get uh, this whole soul sleep doctrine mm-hmm. of Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and uh, a Catholic, and purgatory, and all these different yeah. uh, teachings throughout, yeah. uh, false teachings throughout uh, uh, the centuries. And if, it, if they would have come back to the biblical hermeneutics, to whom is God speaking, what is he saying? Let the words just carry their meaning both in, of course, in the English language. We have the blessing to be able to go back right. to the, right. what are the meanings of the Greek and Hebrew words. And there's a lot of insight. Uh, yeah, because, you know, the, the truth is when if you were to write a letter, Duke, if you were to write or I were to write a letter, we, we would have an audience that we're writing to, whether, whether it's an audience of one or an audience of, of the multitude. And we would have a purpose for writing that. And when you read it, you would understand the purpose. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the same thing as with uh, the authors of the books of the Bible and, or the letters, if you will, the, the epistles uh, in the New Testament. And if you take it out of context of their intent, well, then you're wrong. And so, so it doesn't mean whatever it means to whoever reads it. It means what was the writer, who was the writer writing to and why? And that is the context of the passage. And uh, a biblically illiterate, gullible audience can be moved by a different false oh my goodness. doctrine. Yeah. So, so we're going to walk through this and let's get started. Uh, so here we go. And, uh, you know, the question is, do believers immediately go to heaven when they die? Okay. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. I said you, hmm. not me. That's you. Yeah, I actually have that in my notes. I know. Hmm. That's why I read it. Dot, 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 was dot, big dot. enough I could see. <laughs> and so it says, uh, underneath, uh, what's your definition of heaven? If, if by heaven you mean a real place of comfort with God, uh, where God dwells, then yes, you immediately go to heaven. We talk about the third heaven or the second heaven or the first heaven. Uh, See, that's where all this stuff gets exciting. Yeah, because now we get now we got to land. Um, where is heaven? Um, where is God? And where is, where do we go? And what do the scriptures say so that we can land on this safely? I will tell you this: as we go through this, I'm going to give you uh, my process and how I landed there. But I'm also going to tell you it took me a long time to research this out. Uh, you're going to get in in 15 minutes my process that took literally uh, almost my entire time at college. Did you drive any <laughs> professors crazy in along the way? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't even want to talk about what I did to the professors. So listen, if by heaven we mean a real place with God, dwelling with God, wherever God is, then yes, when we die, we immediately go to that place. Amen. That's enough for me, John. Yeah. I'm in. Right? <laughs> I didn't wrestle with this. So the biblical uh, uh, teaching uh, that some believers immediately go to heaven when they die differs, obviously, depending on the group that is uh, that you're talking to or you're dealing with. And so, for example, according to the Watchtower Bible uh, and Tract Society, which, by the way, is a cult. and this witness cult. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult press in, in Brooklyn, New York, and they do not believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. 
But it's interesting they believe other parts of the Bible, right? Because it's a buffet to them. They pick and choose what they can digest and they leave the rest. And here's what they believe. They believe in a thing called soul sleep. And that means that, that you're in an unconscious state until the resurrection, which I find interesting. They believe in the resurrection, but they don't believe in Jesus. But the Bible is the only place that talks about the resurrection. And so the souls that are sleeping are awakened, and then they go back to sleep for eternity. For eternity, yeah. yeah there is they're, no they're, they're, awa- they're, they're awakened and then go right back to sleep. Yeah, and it, it's it's sad and it's, oh, it's silly, but it's sad. Well, here's the other thing. They, they believe only the 144,000 go to heaven, and, of course, it can't be any of them. And so they just... The other people come back to the earth. Dude, that's the weirdest thing. But here's the thing, and this is the the key. Like uh, uh, at the resurrection, Jehovah remembers them like, oh, oh, I forgot about the Jehovah Witnesses. I better go wake them up so I can put them back to sleep forever. <laughs> it's like, like it doesn't even make sense, and it's nowhere in the scriptures. And so we know that you can take soul sleep and throw it out. And just a little bit. Be- because soul sleep's nowhere. Right. Okay. The history of that, Charles Taz, Russell, fo- Charles Taz Russell, founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, back in, I think, the 1880s, he was a, a son of a Presbyterian preacher. He grew up under hellfire brimstone preaching, which was very common uh, in those days. It, it, Jesus did use uh, those terms and uh, very unpalatable in our day, but it, they, it, he grew up under that. He hated the doctrine of hell, so he went about to eliminate that there really is no hell, that that's a misinterpretation. Well, well, really who was is it? no judgment. Bell did the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 he's not the only one who's done this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that was his goal, and this is stated goal. This, yeah. is, this is right from his own uh, biography, which I read many right. years ago. Right. Grandma was Jehovah's Witness. She was gloriously saved out of that, but... Uh, she was taught that uh, if you don't, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you just go to sleep one day. Uh, when you die, you you go to soul sleep, and then he wakes you up, and then he puts you back to sleep, which is incredible. That's not at all what Jesus talked about. No, nothing. But people right? can land in crazy right. places if you don't know the Word of God. Well, and if you don't stay in context with the Word of God. There you go, John. So the you get other, a point for that. I'll take that. Biblical context. That's a point. So here's the other thing. Uh, the other group, but this is also interesting too. You have the Seventh-day Adventists who believe in soul sleep. Which again, if you go back to the year 18, you know, 1800, 1850, there's no such thing right. as a Jehovah's Witness. No such thing as Seventh-day Adventists. These are false teachers that came up through the years and drew many way, just like Jesus said there mm-hmm. would be. But what I find interesting with some of the Seventh-day Adventists, they believe, uh, because see, there's, there's different Groups of them. Groups of them. And so there's some who believe because my my uh, mother-in-law is Seventh-day Adventist, and she believes Jesus is the only way to heaven, yeah. and she believes when she dies, she's going to be with him. So she doesn't have the soul sleep. And, well, she and, cheated. She read the Bible herself. She, <laughs> she believed it, and she yeah, saw right. through that stuff. Right? Yeah, see, that's, 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 it, it can be that simple. It can be that simple. Or and so Satan can really complicate it as well. Right. So talk about complicating on top of complicating. How about this? So you have you have soul sleep for some groups. And then for the Roman Catholic Church, uh, they have uh, purgatory. 
now, now let me let me help you here. Purgatory is nowhere in the Bible, but here's what they believe. They believe that all believers, Catholic and non-Catholic, which is interesting, go to purgatory, which is a place of 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 punishment. That the sacrifice of Jesus was just not quite enough to wipe away all sins, even yeah. though the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Yeah. It's just, uh, that's just, oh, he, you, it can't be that severe. So, because you've been so, you messed up, you're going to go to purgatory for a while. And they made a lot of money on purgatory. Yeah, because because they, they charge people to pray them out of purgatory, pray I their had, loved ones out of purgatory. Come I on, had man. a mother-in-law gave a bunch of money to the church to pray her husband out of purgatory. Yep. He died young. He was a wonderful man. I believe he truly had Christ in his heart. I believe he is in heaven. And here's his widow. Here's his precious widow, a, a young woman with five kids still at home, giving money to the church because she loves her husband. She need the church should have been giving her money, right? And they were taking her right. money, using right. it. I just want to, ah, yeah. Well, because they had her convinced that she had to give money, she had to pay for the sins of her loved one, and then pray for her loved one and, and candles, give money, yeah, and hopefully in time get him out. Yeah, get him out, and hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Right, right. Now, it, what's interesting is they believe all believers and all non-believers are going to purgatory, but only those who went to the Catholic Church can actually get out of purgatory because salvation is through the church. Yeah, it's sacraments of the church. You're in or you're out. Yeah. And so if you're not part of the Catholic Church. We're out, Johnny. <laughs> you're out. Yeah, we're out, dude, right? According to them. According to them, but... Uh... But the scriptures we're in. Yeah, because if you if you uh, do the process of hermeneutics, you will find the Catholic Church is wrong, ten thousand percent wrong, just as wrong as the Jehovah Witnesses, and just as wrong as the Seventh Day Adventists who believe uh, in soul sleep, and just as wrong as anybody else who doesn't believe to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Catholics believe that purgatory is a place of punishment too. Oh yeah. It's not a comfortable place. Oh no, no, no. It's punishment until Uh, you serve your time or someone prays you out or pays pays enough. Plays or prays you out. Yeah. yeah, Pays or (laughs) Dude, that is, it's it's funny, but it's sad. Yeah. You know, and and it's frustrating. The really neat thing is when I came to New York, 1978 to 85, I heard this stuff in my face every day. Praise God. I haven't had anybody ask me these kind of Catholic questions uh, in 20 years. Yeah. But for the first 15 years I was mm-hmm. here, I heard this literally right. every in right. every conversation. Right. Right. And so it's kind of like uh, a lot of the, the everyday Catholic people have kind of come around a little bit. Right. We're a little bit more of a biblical position. Well, well, because what they're doing is they're seeing the Catholic Church fall apart. Oh, dying. In, in sin. We bought a Catholic school, shut down and bought it and renovated it into apartments. And uh, it's really crazy. The priest right next door, he, he, was, he became a good friend and he loved what we did and saw that place that was falling apart and we rebuilt nice. it. And he was happy. He's a a really nice guy, and he doesn't rebuke me now. The old days, the Catholic priest thought I was a false prophet, right? Treated right, me like I was right. the devil, and and today a lot of them are, are have kind of come around to more biblical positions. Well, I think I th- cool. and I think it's because a lot of them are seeing the hypocrisy of the leadership in the Catholic Church. But but this isn't about the Catholic Church. So so here's what here's what we have. I chased uh, a rabbit. I'm sorry. That's all right. You have you have the Jehovah Witness, you have Seventh Day Adventists, you have the Catholic Church, and you have many, many more, but I don't have time to get into all that, who actually believe things that are not biblical. They're not in the Bible anywhere. Okay, so now 
um, I'm going to take you to what I landed on. Okay. Now I'm going to set this up before I start. Okay. Be only, only because you have to see the process that I used to land where I landed. And where I landed was when we die and, and you need to hear me all the way through this. Okay. So don't turn it off yet. <laughs> when we die, and this is where I landed. And you may not land there, but I'm going to tell you this. I, I am 1,000% correct in the statement that I'm going to make here is that regardless of what you believe, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. I'm going to establish that. But here's where I landed and why. I landed that when we die, we go to the Garden of Eden. I believe Luke chapter 16 that uh, when we die, we go to Abraham's bosom, which is paradise. And here's why I landed on that. Now, this was huge because, Duke, this was a massive battle for me. So I understand it's a battle for others as well. Uh, it doesn't change the truth that we'll be with the Lord. It just, it's just where, I, where I'm at, right? And, and scripturally, hermeneutically, I am not wrong in my process. I'm not wrong contextually. I'm not, I'm not wrong anywhere. It doesn't mean I'm, I landed at the right spot. It just means that I didn't, I didn't violate any of the hermeneutical rules to end up where I ended. Okay. That being said, let's move on. So, uh, one, there, there was a question that I had and it can it all started from Matthew, uh, four, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, and I'm like, the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Because the big issue in Thessalonians here, the first Thessalonians, was some some of the people were were upset because they were thinking that that uh, some loved ones were getting there before the other loved ones, and like there was a whole contention of who gets there first, and 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 are these ones going or not going, and who's there first, and who's staying, and so th there's contention in that. And Paul says, "Hey, listen." The dead, in, so, uh, um, none will precede the other, right? Those who are alive remain be caught up together with them, and then we go up all all at once. Well, then I thought, okay, well, who are the dead in Christ that he's talking about, and what is that? And and I went and asked other pastors, and I went and asked professors, and and I was basically getting the same answer, and that was this: that oh, that is your identity, or identity. So your soul goes to be with God in heaven. Your identity stays in the grave, physical body, the physical body, and and then the new identity happens uh, at the at the rapture, okay. And and I went, I, I'm, I, uh, I'm confused. I can't, yeah, I can't take that one because if I look at Luke chapter sixteen, they clearly have their identity because the rich man looks over and sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, and and which could easily be paradise. And, and sees him and recognizes him. And so, therefore, they didn't lose.
their identity, so that didn't work for me. And then I hit this verse, and this verse kind of uh, caused me to have tons of questions. If Jesus is God, which we know he is, and he is, and we know he is, he's 100% man, 100% God, then why didn't he know the time or the day of, of Christ, of his return, right? And so this passage here was a passage that befuddled me. It says this in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. And I thought, okay, why doesn't Jesus know? Well, that one was easy enough to land on because it's the Trinity and the Father is an individual and the Son is an individual and the Holy Spirit's an individual. So um, they're co-equal. They're co-equal. Uh, just interject there. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Christ, why did he not know the answer? If he, he's all-knowing, why wouldn't he know that? And uh, I, I'm just losing the theological word. Maybe it'll pop into your brain. Maybe it'll pop into mine in a moment. But Christ, in the incarnation, laid aside mm-hmm. certain parts of... Uh, well, I don't, I don't think I don't think he laid aside attributes, and and here's why. Well, let me well, say why I say the that. The attribute of omnipresence, he could only be physically present in one place at one time. But spiritually, he knew where to, he could see Thomas under oh, the fig absolutely. tree, and he wasn't he had there. Omniscience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He had omniscience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's screaming evidence right, of right. that everywhere you look. But his physical body was limited. Yes, yeah, I'll go to body. that. There's a word for that. It'll pop into my mind at two o'clock. We'll, we'll his hypostatic it. union. Is that uh, that's yeah, it's kind of in the edge of that, but that's not quite the, the God, hundred percent God, hundred percent man. That's hypostatic union. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Th- this fascinating theological study to study about. Jesus. I know, right? I know, right? To study is. about it Jesus. I'll straighten out about everything. It is, but he laid aside his attribute of of omnipresence, mm-hmm. and maybe he he did not lay aside his omniscience, but maybe he did on that one point, or maybe he just chose. To word it out that way, that the Father does this, I do this, the Holy Spirit does that. And it shows, their, it shows their individuality. Their individuality and their union. But he said, I'm coming back and only the Father knows. And so I can't quite explain that one, John. Well, so but I did. Because uh, that, that was massive, right? So, so for me. I can see where, yeah. Yeah, so for me, I had, like, these are just passages that I had to really understand because... I had, I had to land there. Now, hermeneutics says this. We don't take it out of context. And you made a key point of her, part of hermeneutics was we had to go back and study the history. We had to understand the manners and the customs. So if you go back with this passage of Matthew uh, 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only, uh, we have to understand what happens with the bride and the groom. So here, when, when the bride and the groom are espoused or engaged, the groom, go, and it's just like they're married, right? Except for they haven't finalized that marriage yet. Physical. Physical. Yeah. So what would happen is the groom would go back to the father's house and add on to the father's house. That takes us to John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Well, technically mansions means rooms because it's in my Father's house are many rooms that would be glorious like a mansion, if you will. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Okay. I think in its context, let's talk about the second coming here. This is... The um, groom, Christ comes for his church. This is the rapture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so how do we, how do we land on this? Well, they never asked Jesus about like in Matthew where it says, um, well, if you're God, why don't you know the time or the day? Cause they asked him like, when, when is this, uh, uh, when's this going to happen? And, and, and Jesus goes on and Thomas, uh, has questions, but they never questioned him on this. And here's why, because in the Jewish culture, when the, when the bride and groom are espoused, the groom goes back to his father's house and adds on a room. That room is not done until the father says, says it's so. done. That's why Jesus wouldn't know the time, day, or hour, because his job is to prepare the room and when, the, when it is done to the father's... Ooh, Johnny, I just had a moment of revelation. When it's done to the father's specs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go get your bride. So, so now it makes sense why Jesus didn't know because it's really up to the father of when the room's completed. Not he knew when, it was going to come. He knew it was getting close, but he didn't know exactly when. When? Because it was up to the father. That's, that's sweet, Johnny. Yeah. And so, so all of a sudden, you might be getting another point. There. <laughs> Not quite. So all of a sudden, now I'm like, okay, this part makes sense to me now. I understand now why Jesus didn't know the the, the day or the hour, because his job was to add on to the as the groom was to add on to the father's house, and it is up to the father when the room is done. And then the father says, "Go get your bride. Go get your bride. Right." Ooh. Baby. Yeah. So, so now I am, I have figured out, uh, Matthew 24, 36, where no one knows time of the day, but the father only, mm-hmm. I figured that out because of the, the manners and the customs. And then also I have figured out in John 14, one through four, where he says, I, uh, um, uh, excuse me, let me roll back here where he says, uh, d- let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house, many mansions. If we're not, so I've told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And then this, when it is done, when it is done, I will come and get you when it is done. Get you from where? Well, here's the other thing. So that means that the loved ones who have died before us, where are they going to go? It's not done. The room's not done. So so they can't go to heaven, heaven. It's not that they're not going to heaven. It's just that it's not done yet. Because when it's done, I will come and get you. Who? The dead in Christ and those who are alive and remain. How I always uh, fit that together, exactly as I was taught by the same professors, mm-hmm. not all the same, a few of the same, that to go to be absent from the body present with the Lord is our spirit, our soul, our spirit, our real being, but our bodies await in that grave 
in that place. And it gets kind of complicated. What about somebody? That uh, but is, see, I don't agree with that. Yeah, but yeah. but here's but here's why I don't agree with it. Because of Luke chapter 16. And people say Luke chapter 16 is a parable, but it can't be a parable because there's too many names that are being used. No, it's not a parable. It, it's it not a parable. Happened. It actually happened. Absolutely. So so what if what if everybody's in the Garden of Eden? And and this is why I land on this. So so let's look at let's look at uh, the thief on the cross, right? And so if we land on the thief on the cross, Luke 23, uh, 39 through 33, uh, it says, uh, Luke 23, chapter 23, verse 39 is where it starts. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him and saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered rebuke saying, do not, do you not even fear God seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we justly, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today. Well, that word today eliminates soul sleep and eliminates. Uh, uh, never thought of it. It sure does. It does. It eliminates soul yeah. sleep and it, and it eliminates purgatory. purgatory. Yeah. Today you will be with me in paradise. Well, how can he go straight to heaven with Jesus when there's no place for him to go because the room's not done? He hasn't even started building it yet. Mm-hmm. So, so it can't fit to go to heaven, heaven, our final destination with God. It has to be a paradise, has to be what I believe is the Garden of Eden. Now, let, let, me, let me go just a touch further here. Revelation 2.7 says this. Now, now, Revelation 2, 7, um, this is what it says, and then we'll discuss it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God or the garden of God. Where do we know from Genesis that this tree is? It's in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, well, uh, commonly we say uh, the paradise lost in Genesis is the paradise regained in Revelation. Yeah, it's okay. interesting. Okay, so, so... So you're putting with Scripture, with Scripture, Johnny. Uh, because that's hermeneutics. Guys, listen now. Uh, I'm just telling you the process that I went through, and it took me a while because I had to research and really research the manners and the customs, and, and I couldn't take... And, and here's the other thing, guys. If you pay attention to Matthew 24, 36, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, John 14, 1 through 4, Revelation 2, 7, Luke 23, 39 through 43, I've not taken anything out of context. I've not even stretched the scriptures at all, you know, to, to fit my quote-unquote ideology or belief. Because if you if you take it out of context, remember we established this in the beginning. If you take it out of context, um, you're violating the laws of hermeneutics. And 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 as a teacher of the scriptures, which I believe I am, I think God has given me this gift. And I don't say that arrogantly, because with with great responsibility, I am held to what I teach. Just just an inter- interjection of thought here. You know, you okay? The the thief dies. He's repented goes to a good place, paradise. Uh, Lazarus, the believer, he dies. Uh, it, he goes to a good place called Abraham's bosom. I would, I've always believed those are the same place. Just different names for the same place. Okay. And, and we, but we actually have, and, and I don't argue that, right? It's, right, right. It's the same place. 
and and we see that in Luke. Luke would fit the place, and Revelation two seven, because this has to do with Christians still on Earth, right? Because yeah. it's not the end of the Christians on Earth until after chapter four, if I'm not mistaken, in Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. So this would still deal with the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Spirit, by the way, is capitalized, so it would be the Holy Spirit. Says to the churches, who are the churches? Those are, that would be the, the children of God. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. And I just find it so interesting in 2.7 that he tells us where that tree is, which is exactly where Genesis tells us that tree is. And some people have told me, no, 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 no. When the flood came, it wiped out the Garden of Eden. And God took it to heaven. One of the problems that I have with this is God guarded the Garden of Eden. And this passage tells us he protected the Garden of Eden because the tree is still in the midst or in the middle of paradise or the garden so Revelation doesn't violate Genesis, and it doesn't violate what you said. Right. So hermeneutic says I'm still on track. Yeah, identifying terms. And I think that the bottom line is believers, good place, unbelievers, bad place. Yeah. I've always seen it that we, we have the English word hate, the Greek word Hades translated into English hell. Hell... Uh, <laughs> We just think of hell, bad place in, in our thinking, but, but we get confused with the English text. In Luke 16, uh, the, the rich man in hell, Hades, Hades, the bad place of Hades. Right. And then, of course, I think Abraham's bosom. The, the word Hades means place of the departed dead. So good people went to Hades. Well, well, or departed. place of departed because uh, Hades, because there's no dead in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Yeah, they're alive. They're alive. Rich man's alive in 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 Hades in the, the desert. Part. Yeah, in the desert, the bad part, the hot part, the fire part. I'm thirsty. Right, tip, right. Tip, tip of the tongue and water mm-hmm. touch me. I'm tormented in this place. Consciousness. Send my uh, somebody tell my brother. And so he has a body. He place. has a body because yeah, he he sees. Well, he sees. He hears. He, hears, he has a tongue. Responds, he speaks. Everything. Yeah. yeah. So he has a brain. Yeah. He has a conscience. So so and 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 he's still the same guy. And Lazarus is still the same guy, and they're recognizable, and they're in the grave. Now, if we're going to talk about a holding place, right, if, if there is a holding place, which I think there is, yeah, and I think the holding place for the Christian is the Garden of Eden. I think the holding place for the lost you is— You almost got me there, Johnny. Is, well, well, let me finish, and I'll have you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the holding place for the lost is the desert, and here's why I think there's a holding place. Because—and again, I'm using hermeneutics. I'm using the process, and I'm not violating any passages— Nobody gets to heaven, nobody, nobody gets to heaven until they go through the judgment seat of Christ. We have to be declared innocent. There's no condemnation on us now. Mm -hmm. Yet believe it's not condemned. But we have to go through the judgment seat of Christ, 
the judgment seat. That means we're judged and then declared innocent, and then we're allowed into heaven. Nobody goes to hell until they go through the great white throne judgment. Ooh, that's absolutely, nobody argues that point at all. Until they're judged. They're waiting for the big day of judgment. They're, yeah, so they're judged, then they're condemned, and they're sentenced. To the lake. Of fire. Fire. Which is different than Hades or the grave. That's that's conventional uh, evangelical yeah. thinking. That's, so, nobody disagrees with that. I've never heard anybody disagree with that. All right, so how can... Let me, let me interject. Well, 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 real yeah. quick, one second. So how can anyone go to heaven pre-judgment seat of Christ? And why would, if, if Jesus says, I'm coming for my bride, God the Father says, go get your bride, why would anybody who dies before the room is built or, or the place is ready for them. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit scripture. And why would, why would Jesus take a finger and a thumb and a toe and a foot? He wouldn't, he would come and get the whole body. Mm-hmm. And so, so when, for me, and then, I, and then I'll be done for me, when you weigh all of this out and you weigh the process out and you look at the judgment seat of Christ and you look at the great white throne judgment and you look out, nobody goes to heaven and nobody goes to hell until they're judged, even though we'll be declared innocent in the judgment seat of Christ. Um, but, but nobody reaches their final destination until they go through a judgment process. I think that's a, a, a great phrase there, the judgment. So that's how I landed where I landed. I'm going to... I'm 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 thinking hard, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just to, to confirm, <laughs> Go to, ahead. Uh, Go ahead. on on the side of the negative, the yeah, Christ yeah. rejector, Lazarus. Everybody, this is basic conventional thinking. Evangelicals never heard anybody even disagree with this. But just to clarify it, they go to Hades, uh, the bad place, the rich man in hell, Hades, awaiting, and he doesn't want anybody else to come there. <laughs> and people get saved. You want everybody to go to heaven. Somebody goes to hell. They don't want anybody to go to hell. Right. Okay. They await for, as you said, the great white throne judgment. And those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire, right. the permanent place. Right. And so there's, but a not until they're judged and not until they're judged. Right. And it's clearly a bad place of waiting. We call that. I've always, I, I, I speak in the County jail on a regular basis, year after year, after year, after year in a County jail, they're guilty. Uh, and uh, they're waiting sentencing. And after the sentencing, they're taken from the county jail, I would call that Hades, bad place, rich men in hell, to they're sentenced by the judgment to the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is kind of the same. You take the bad place, judgment, and then lake of fire, and you're kind of using the same. Yeah, it's the, hold, it's the holding cell until the conviction. I wouldn't even use the word sell, the holding paradise, the holding wow, Great, whatever. Place, yeah. The convening place where we're all together mm-hmm. waiting. Well, and we know we're all together because there's a great golf fixed into the father's house. Now, now let me tell you why I landed. I'm getting closer. Let, Johnny. Let, let me tell you why I landed on. We're all raptured together. And so it's not soul sleep. Right? I think Luke 16 is very clear. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and, and I think if you look up where the Garden of Eden was, it was by the Tigris and Euphrates, mm-hmm. which is in the valley. 
everything about the scripture is centered around Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem is where? World headquarters on a hill. On top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. All right. Those who are dead in Christ, let's, let's look up here in, in First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Valley. Ooh. Garden of Eden by the Tigers and Euphrates. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. So they're coming from the valley up. We're here in the mountain, Those, if you're alive. They come from the valley, bam, we're together, and then we all go up at the same time. I didn't violate scripture anywhere. I'm looking at Luke chapter 16. I'm looking at the paradise. I'm looking at Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. I'm looking in Matthew 24, 36 of only the Father put knows. Put them all together. I, and and I've, I've not taken any of these passages out of Scripture, but yet they all connect. And I used Matthew, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians, John, Revelation, and Luke. And I did not take any passage out of context. But I did look at history. I did look at culture. I did look at position. I did look at the words. I I, I looked at the Greek and the Hebrew, and I put it all together and landed there. And and if if some of you might get upset and say, well, well, I'm going to heaven and I get a mansion. Well, scripturally, uh, I'm glad you're going to heaven, but you're going to get a room. And the room you're going to get is in God's house, which is going to be like a mansion. And the room may be like a mansion because can you imagine what God's house is like, right? So I don't have a problem with that. I mean, it's still going to be a glorious place. But in all the passages that I looked at and all the passages that I had massive questions about, going to paradise makes sense. Going to heaven, heaven, our final does not make sense and I think violates some of these passages. That being said, okay, uh, that being said, irregardless or regardless, it's not irregardless. You know, irregardless is really not a word. It's kind of like redundant. It's regardless. (laughs) Yeah. Regardless, when we die, or if we live for the rapture. Blessed in the eyes of the Lord. We're going to have perfect bodies, and we're going to be with Jesus forever. And everything that we just discussed was simply a discussion, but it's immaterial at the end. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> right? I was just, I'm just saying, like, that's where I landed, though. Here's but that's, I, but that's I why I, I, wanted to, I wanted to explain why I landed there. I love that's you, Johnny. And I love you, too, man. Uh <laughs> But I, I think this is so fascinating. And I think this is a big lesson that, that cannot even be uh, d- debated. God gave us his word, and he gave it in such a way that creates these questions. Mm-hmm. Why did he call it Abraham's bosom, and then he called it paradise? Why, why did he call, 
call it Hades, and thou will not suffer thy holy one to see corruption, neither leave his soul in hell. Jesus went to hell, but what part? Did he go to the bad part? He didn't go to the lake of fire. So he wrote these things in a way that I think for real seekers, mm-hmm. that's key. Yeah, yeah. Real seekers, and, real and I'm seekers. not. I'm not trying to trip anyone up. No, I'm just, no, 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 no. I'm just sharing. I'm just sharing my process that I had to work through uh, because I was I was consumed. Yeah, yeah. With these questions, well, we know there's no contradictions in the scripture, right? I, I, and I didn't contradict. No, 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 no. And I, I love the process, but I think this applies. This process mm-hmm. applies to everything. I, I would say the biggest thing I wrestled with was the the issue of speaking in tongues Mm -hmm. and i had to study that all out and i think what really motivated me i kind of started dating a uh, (laughs) a beautiful girl named cynthia soulsby from houston texas i had to teach her that duke was a one syllable word (laughs) because she was like duke Duke. no one syllable (laughs) girlfriend duke and uh, she Duke. loved God. Let me tell you, this girl loved God. She just couldn't say Duke, <laughs> but she said it so sweetly. And um, and uh, you know, it's kind of like she wanted to land where I landed because we, we cared about each other. And then uh, I, I kind of wanted, I, but you know, I I couldn't love Cynthia more than the scriptures, right? And I wrestled with. And I took all these principles that you just used, the biblical principles of, of, of interpretation, hermeneutics, and I studied it out in its context, and I landed where I landed on that, and she didn't land with me, and uh, we love God so much that mm-hmm. we just looked at each other Studying and, work. I, and gave each other a hug and said, just yeah. uh, see it, the judgment, we'll see you on the other side, just yeah. go win people to Christ using your view, I'll win people to Christ uh, uh, doing my view, so... It's so good, but you know, for all of us involved in this, this—I uh, don't even want to use debate. This discussion—it's not a debate. Like it's a study. Yeah, it's just studying yeah. it out. What did he really mean here? Yeah. But th- that's for us who we're—we're we're believers. We're mm-hmm. in what God meant by all these. It's going to be completely revealed to mm-hmm. us. Maybe it's already revealed to you, uh, but we're in a good place. But, but let me win. say, if it is revealed to me, and by the way, I maybe it already has been, John. Yeah, and it may have, but. I will tell you this, it didn't come without a long, and when I say long, I'm talking most of my time in college. Yeah, Johnny and I talked about this years ago. Long time of study. I kind of backed off a little bit. You did. But I love you, and yeah. I've seen the fruit of God yeah. in your life. You've got Amen. a beautiful marriage, beautiful yeah. daughters, a walk with the Lord. And so you, you know I'm not completely now. crazy. you got a dog that, <laughs> that loves you. He's man. not really a dog. He's a wannabe, but yeah, that's beside the point. Yeah, and... Uh, that was funny. And but I'll tell but, you what, I've seen a whole bunch of people on the east side of the river here, and that's a big deal if you live in the capital mm-hmm. region, the Hudson River. Right. Found Jesus as our Lord and Savior through your ministry, Amen. your church, and yeah. uh, I'm glad to be your buddy. Amen, brother. And I am glad that you are my buddy and that you're my real brother smart, so. and that you're sitting <laughs> here. And I have no credibility. So. And, right? <laughs> and so, so, hey, guys, listen, here's where we're going to land on this one, okay? I shared with you my process. I shared with you how I landed there, and it was all, that's what we call hermeneutics, the whole process and and where I went. And if you notice, I had to add in history and and manners and customs and scripture, and I couldn't violate any of those in the context they were written, and I didn't do that. And so that's how I landed there. But I'm going to tell you, Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Oh, death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of law. Uh, sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So, hey, I hope this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. Until next time, God bless.